A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. I actually found I spent very little time thinking about my purpose and more time just enjoying the experience. But it was actually also where I um, ended up coming up with the idea for the company. On this week's edition of the show, I'm talking to Alexandra Bertels, founder of In Good Company. Wouldn't you like the ability to explore the cities that you love and find sustainable and ethical businesses? Well, right now, Alexandra is giving you the opportunity to do that in London and perhaps in time beyond. Also in the show, we do a quick preview of Unleash World in Paris, happening on Wednesday and Thursday. If you're there, come and say hello. This is Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by Nash Squared, where we bring you the views of leaders from across our industry. Welcome to today's show. Today I am joined by Akish. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. I'm good, thank you. You're, you're, right? a, you're a... Would you describe yourself as... I mean, I know you're not from London, but would you describe yourself as from London? You've, you've, been, you've been at London for as long as... In London for pretty much as long as you can remember, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm a... Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm a Londoner. It's one of those cities that you're always exploring, right? It's so vast that you can never, you can know pockets of it, but you never know it completely. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it, whilst it's whilst it's quite small compared to like other cities around the world, it, it, really, it which ones? Quite... Well, no, in, in the sense that, like, <laughs> I mean, Mexico you know, City and, and LA, maybe, but there's yeah, not many. But like, I don't know, compared to like New York or like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's got it's, a bigger population, you know? Well, no, I'm on about area, area, area. Okay. okay, all right. Yeah, so like... Maybe, okay. I don't know, Chicago, for example. No, we'll, right. we'll run with it for a minute, go yeah. on. But what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is whilst whilst you think like, oh yeah, you know, like um, I know some spots south of the river, I know some spots in east, you mm-hmm. know, north London, but like you don't actually know it because there's so many more like things do you know what i mean and every weekend is our little things popping up and Mm. you know there's always new stuff to do um and i i always think i was having this conversation with someone um the other day amber actually who's a fellow co-host and Mm -hmm. i said to her sometimes like you, you get so fascinated with trying to explore around the world that you don't even explore your doorstep um yeah you know, because a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, I'm going to grab a flight. I'm going to get a train to Stansted or blimmin, you know, London City Airport and stuff. And oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to Europe for the week or the weekend or something. I'm like, well, there's so much stuff happening around here that you sometimes just don't realise. Um, it's little things like I was talking to someone the other week who lives in West Hampstead at the minute. And I was like, yeah, oh no, you know, do you know XYZ Bar? And everyone knows that realisation that I used to know West Hampstead really mm. well. 
but the city changes so fast that I probably don't know it so well now. And independence, I think, because of the because of the pandemic, like local neighbourhood independence have done quite well and popped up. And, you know, London is forever changing. You get street food, like stalls pop up in the middle of building sites and disappear again. And, mm. and you've got farmers markets and whatever else. And where I'm going with this, by the way, is that this week's guest, Alexandra Bertels, has founded a company called In Good Company. And it's all about discovering ethical, sustainable choices on your doorstep and in your communities um well that's the current iteration of it anyway we'll get on to what it might become and i think it's a really clever idea because we we have both lived you still live in london but i have lived in london for 15 years yeah it's, it's impossible to really go to an area that you haven't been to for maybe six months and expect to know everything about it and and it all changes right like even even if i drive through places and like regularly take a route for example there's always new things popping up and you're like you're looking around the traffic like oh that's new you know try remember yeah. it and, you know that sort of thing so yeah it's um it's, it's decent and i also think it's i think it's a fashion thing i think we'll probably hear that in the interview in a second but like you know it's now becoming cool more cool yeah it, it is cool to go to a smaller yeah independent place i think when i was growing up and if you didn't have like a you know if you didn't have a bag from let's say uh, a sainsbury's or a tesco or you know a jd sports and these sorts of places then it was like oh well you know can you not afford it or something or it was a bit like you know what's that like you've gone away but now i think yeah. it's becoming thrifting's it's becoming, trendy yeah 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 it's becoming cool isn't it so yeah, yeah. paper bags are now cool and plastic ones aren't obviously for uh, yeah, yeah. other than other than environmental reasons but you know um, well look we'll, we'll play the interview and then we'll be back with some commentary on it uh or some thoughts anyway on the on the back of listening to it and uh yeah interesting to see to see where this might go here's the interview you to be joined by alexandra bertels we had you on the show i don't know five or six years ago Yes, that's correct. Five or six years ago, back when I was running loyalty and doing a lot of digital transformation work at a former FTSE 250 Talk Talk. And things have changed a bit since then. They have. I decided actually that I had had enough of doing uh, the corporate career ladder climbing and left Talk Talk about three years ago. And since then, there has been millennial sabbatical backpacking around Asia. There has been caring for an elderly parent. There has been the pandemic, which obviously everybody experienced. I also ended up going into the Department for Health and working on the COVID-19 response, including supporting on the launch of the COVID-19 app and have now come to um, start my own my own technology tech for good startup i suppose the first question would be why did you want to leave the corporate career ladder what was it that that wasn't filling you with a sense of i don't know direction purpose be what it may but what 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 was the catalyst to make you go you know what because you had a you had a really successful and and kind of flourishing career so it's something to give up it definitely is i think i got to a point where I'd spent nine years at Talk Talk and it was a hugely varied and challenging and fantastic, actually, um, period of my life. And 
one of the things that happened towards the end was I moved over into running the digital department. And that brought me closer to technology, closer to digital innovation. And I fell in love with it. It was the most frustrating, rewarding, exhausting point of my career um, because I was learning so much. And um, for a number of different reasons, I couldn't kind of continue in that role at Talk Talk. And I actually really wanted to do something that was much more digitally focused. And I also really wanted to do something where there was a more central mission for good in the business and that that was really at the core of what the organization I was a part of was doing so that you know we were combining I wanted to find a way to be able to combine digital customer experience my commercial skill set with a mission to make the world a better place so then you go off traveling yes (laughs) You, you you obviously wanted, you know, that you got that idea of making the world a better place, but you got off travelling, want to give yourself some some breathing space and time to have a kind of work out what that is, or just because you hadn't done it? Uh, both of those things. So it was, uh, I got my first job when I was 14. <laughs> and Is that even legal? <laughs> I don't think nowadays it's legal. I managed to get away with it back then. Uh, <laughs> things, were, things were a little bit more relaxed when I was 14. But I'd basically done internships and worked every summer holiday, school holiday. I actually did, you know, I did an internship with Intel and then with Microsoft in my late teens. And I'd never done the kind of backpacking gap year thing. And so I thought, well, look, I don't want to jump into something else. I want a bit of a break. And I thought, what better way to also have hopefully some space to figure out what I want to do next. Um, It wasn't meant to be a full eat, pray, love uh, holiday, but I, you know, had visions of doing yoga on a mountaintop somewhere and kind of you know, my next move would be revealed to me. Um, And yeah, I definitely, I actually found I spent very little time thinking about my purpose and more time just enjoying the experience. But it was actually also where I um, ended up coming up with the idea for the company. And is that idea actually what the company is today? Because I would imagine it's gone through a few iterations. But how how close to that initial idea are you in terms of what you've got today? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, things have changed. Things have definitely changed. So originally, the idea came, I was backpacking, I was traveling, particularly around uh, Nepal, and Cambodia. And I really wanted to make sure I was having you know, the best possible experience that I was making the most of this incredible opportunity. And I wanted to discover you know, really authentic, unusual, unique, independent places that I could go visit. And I love researching places to go. You know, I'm that person who looks at the menu before I go to a restaurant. I want to see pictures and I want to plan things out. Um, And it was really, really hard to find stuff that was maybe off the beaten track and actually while I was out there I was discovering all of these incredible I mean we would call them social enterprises or you know kind of not-for-profits or really community-focused businesses Um, and they were incredible because they just had this like huge purpose at their heart you know they were ultimately 
you know, providing employment for people, but they were not just trying to turn a profit, they were doing good. Um, And I was struck by how hard it was to find them. Like you might find a little reference to them somewhere, but it was really difficult. And I was meeting all these other kind of millennial Gen Z backpackers, all of whom really cared about sustainability, social justice issues, and, you know, wanted to kind of travel responsibly. And there was a lot of backlash at the time towards TripAdvisor for some of their stances on ethical issues, particularly around animal experiences. And also it just wasn't a very, it didn't feel like the platforms that were out there spoke to a younger, kind of more conscious audience. And I remember I've still got the text messages going, texting, you know, one of my old team from TalkTalk and going, how hard would it be to build an app that was just focused on finding good purpose-driven experiences and places to go so originally the idea was very much focused on ecotourism and then the pandemic hit and we stopped traveling and actually I got much more into the UK scene and discovering that we have tons of these businesses over here Um, and I think that's so we've really pivoted to a kind of UK initial focus we still absolutely have ambitions to go global and look at the ecotourism market but I think right now we really want to focus on how can all of us support independent UK small local businesses that are trying to give back in some way and do better for people planet or the community. So the company the company's called The Good Company? In Good Company. In Good Company. How do you how do you make sure that the the kind of the companies that you're putting on that platform are good companies? Oh, this is uh, this is one of my favourite questions, uh, and as you can imagine, one I get uh, get a lot. So, Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I think one of the um, one of the amazing things about the kind of growing purpose driven business sector is that they come in all different shapes. And their missions vary. So there are businesses who are incredibly focused on the environment, um, who are, you know, restaurants who are removing all single use plastic, who are going zero waste. You also have an increasing number of uh, social firms who are employing groups that are historically kind of disadvantaged and struggle to gain employment. So ex-offenders. Um, or people experiencing homelessness. And then you have others who are maybe community interest companies or are run by local communities, are investing money back into local regeneration, local charities, etc. And so that is phenomenal because it shows the variety of different causes out there. Um, you know, it's very much driven often by a founder's personal kind of passion and purpose but it also means that they're really hard to find so what we're doing is partnering with um, established accreditation providers and there are a huge number of them which is brilliant but also makes it hard for consumers Um, and some of them focus on you know a specific sector so maybe food or they focus on an aspect of a business so the living wage foundation who set the real living wage Um, and ensures that businesses are paying their workers and their supply chain fairly, uh, or accreditations like um, 
Social Enterprise UK or B Corp who are focused on the entirety of a business, but it is very much one kind of business. So basically we partner, we bring all of those together, we curate, we are focused on in real life physical experiences and uh, in the digital world I do have to always stress that a lot um, because actually there are brilliant solutions out there for finding more ethical sustainable products online um, and what we really want to do is help people actually have uh, real life experiences that make a difference. What's the target market your demographic in terms of your users because there is that slight part of me that goes I would love to be more ethical most of the time and I try but it is more expensive and it can be harder and it can be less easy so I can imagine if you're traveling then you can go out your way or whatever else but it would sound like this is a this is almost as, as much a kind of a social movement piece where it's it's trying to encourage people to maybe look locally to them as well to make better choices you mentioned the kind of the the gen z millennial market maybe millennials have got money in their pockets because we're all getting a bit grayer these days and more wrinkles but the gen z's have have less money and we're living through um a cost of living crisis so i suppose how, how do we juggle that and how do you make sure that you're targeting at a group that really can make good use of this or or, or i suppose even are educated around the choices that they're making yeah and i think I think obviously the cost of living crisis is going to be hugely challenging, is hugely challenging for all of us. And but, you know, there was a, an expression that really took hold during the pandemic about we might be in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat and it will hit different people to different degrees. I think um, one of the things there is that actually I, I, you know, speaking from my own personal experience, I think more about where I spend my money and on what I spend it on so I may be buying less um, or spending less but actually when I go out rather than kind of buying a prep coffee or a Starbucks coffee I can choose to go to a crisis store I'm actually going to go grab a coffee from crisis later. And, you know, at the point about being more expensive, it does vary. So some of the coffee shops that we actually platform are not more expensive than high street chains. Well, there you go. They I've just, fallen into that trap of thinking yeah. that it's all kind of bougie independent. No, I mean, I can get a, um, I'm not drinking them anymore because the weather's turned in the UK, but, you know, their iced coffees were, I think, you know, £2.10 in the summer, which for a London, you know, iced coffee is pretty, pretty good. Um and you know I think again it's about that actually also if I'm looking for something to do with friends and I want to meet up with friends in a way that actually we're not going to go for like a boozy night out and spend seven pounds a pint or whatever it's costing nowadays in London actually I could find a market that's on and go walk around with my friends I think it's about actually how do you have how can you have experiences that matter and so when you do have them, you might be having less of them, but you make them count. And for me, there is a real emotional side to this because the the kinds of businesses that we're talking about are, you know, full of purpose and heart. And I think you, you connect with that. And one of the things you know, I'll never forget coming out of the pandemic, I think there was this real, there was this real change in what mattered and the kind of stuff and volume and things 
slipped away slightly in importance and you know actually what we really wanted to do is be with people we love we wanted to go get a coffee with our friends you know we wanted to walk around and see people and feel connected and so I think you know what we're not trying to do is say go buy spend tons because actually you know, lots of us have enough stuff, but it's like on those times when you are coming into London for a meeting or you are looking for a restaurant to go to or you are going to meet some friends at the pub, then why not choose a business that is paying its workers fairly, that is trying to go net zero, that is employing people who are more disadvantaged than you and still have a really great time, but also like do do something good there and think about the kind of world and society that we want to live in. You know, what shops do we want to see on our high street? Like what what do we want to be a part of? I suppose if you're you're travelling in London and you don't know London and you were to use use the the list, then it gets you away from the usual tourist trappings and traps and, and maybe a bit more authentic piece of that city. I, I, I can see that being, I, I suppose, the travelling piece if, if you're able to grow internationally. Definitely. And I think, you know, look, like London is where we're starting because it's our, you know, it's my home city. I love London. I was born here, bred here, and it makes sense to start here. And each city, you know, everywhere will be different. And I'm sure we're going to learn a huge amount as we as we expand. Um, I think, you know, even in London, you know, I meet people all over London all the time. I've lived here all my life, basically. And I'm still like, oh, God, I don't know what a good coffee shop near Victoria Station is, which happens to be convenient for meeting somebody. And so I think it's that thing about, as you say, it's not coming out of the tube and then going, oh, I just I guess I'll walk into Starbucks or Pratt. I feel like I'm picking on them. Um, (laughs) But, you know, walking into a kind of chain you know tourist trap or just something that happens to be there and going oh cool actually if I just walk around the corner onto this kind of side street I can find a really cool different kind of awesome place so you're launching this year later this year yes if someone was to go to ingoodcompany.org.uk they can sign up for a mailing list they can and as part of that they will get early access they will have testing opportunities and yeah they'll be the first to to get access to the app when it's ready when do you think that might be we're getting towards the end of 2022 put you on spot. yeah we are we are no it's not one of those it's not one of those oh we're launching in autumn but i'm not going to tell you what year um we <laughs> we are expecting to have uh, something ready for people we're on the yeah we're coming up at the end of September now so I would say probably in the next uh next five six weeks I would like to have something that I could uh put in front of you and I think you know for us we really want to make sure that this is something that is bringing consumer like tech experience to the kind of ethical local business sector so you know for me I want this to be something that rivals like the experience I get from Netflix, Deliveroo, Uber, right? So it's not just about knowing that somewhere's good. We're also building in the kind of ratings, reviews, comments. So other people will be able to leave their feedback, upload photos, videos. So it's a kind of content rich. And it's like, you shouldn't just have to, you you know, clearly not asking anybody to like, go um you know have a a really bad experience just because somebody says it's more ethical so it's kind of how can we actually make this a really uh yeah bring like really disruptive innovative consumer tech 
to the high street, side street, local business community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and look, last question. What advice would you have for someone who's at the beginning of an entrepreneurial journey? You've given up that corporate life. You, you kind of thought about that purpose. You've developed it. And, and, and as, as we said, they're close to launching. Um, from that experience to date, what would you pass on to someone else? I think, firstly, it is the most brilliant thing that I could have done, but it is without a doubt one of the hardest and scariest things that you've ever that I've ever done. And so I think you need to be really clear on why you're doing it. And I got to a place where I, I had this idea and I could feel it slipping away. Um, there's a Elizabeth Gilbert who's a writer has this brilliant thing where she says you know she believes that ideas like come to people and you know that if the person doesn't bring them into the world and kind of do something with it then they'll they'll go find another person who will and I could feel this idea slipping away and I could feel that if I didn't do something somebody else would do this and I was lying there at night when I was making the decision about founding and going, do I want to found or do I actually want to go back into a business, albeit one that maybe has more of a purpose? And I just was like, I'm going to regret this. Um, and so for me, that was the moment when I was like, I have to do this because it is keeping me awake at night. And I know that I'm going to regret this. I think also, like, be gentle with yourself. Things take things take longer than you expect. Um, there are so many bumps in the road. Um, you know, no one actually is an overnight success. Um, and so I think it's really important to focus on actually, what are you trying to get out of it? So for me, clearly, I would love us to be the next big sustainable global platform. But actually, what I'm focused on is learning, growing, and enjoying the journey and I think you have to come back to that and then my final thing is find your tribe um and you know I've built up a brilliant network and support group of other founders and I didn't know you know other founders when I began this because having you know as we've discussed coming from a corporate background that wasn't my that wasn't my crew and so I've you know really thrown myself into the kind of startup community to find other people who have the same values have the same passion are also going on that journey and I think that keeps me that keeps me sane I run a monthly support group so if anybody is out there and thinking about starting their own business uh, do feel free to to get in touch and I can invite you to join us <laughs> we celebrate and we commiserate and we support each other that's brilliant. Well, look, it's, it's been a pleasure to speak to you again. Thank you for giving up some time. And I really hope that the launch goes well when it comes to it in a, in a few weeks or a month's time. Thank you, Dave. It's been brilliant catching back up with you. And congratulations on how well your podcast is going. I'm sure it was all to do with having me on five years ago when it... Uh... <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Let's start with the, um, with the last bit of it, because I think this is really interesting. The... the, 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 the uh, I don't, know, I don't know what to call it. It's not information, advice. There we go. The advice for fellow founders or for would-be founders. Um, the most important thing that I could have done, but also the hardest and scariest, um, I had the idea, but I could feel it slipping away. I think that's really interesting, this insight that, you know, you've got this idea and she could feel that that, that it was slipping away and that someone else might have it. Hmm. 
I think um, it's, it's like anything, right? Like you, you think of, I don't want to say an idea, but you think of anything and you go like, if you don't act upon it, then, you know, the longer you leave it, it's almost like, oh, yeah, someone else has taken it. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I, and this is a very small example. It's quite crap. But like, I remember years ago when I was about eight years old, um, we went to Canada and we went to a Krispy Kreme. At that time, there was no Krispy Kreme in the UK. And I remember like as a kid, you know, looking at like the donuts being made and that sort of thing. I remember like my mum and dad talking just in the car like, oh, that would be like so good if it came to the UK, that sort of thing. Uh, seven, six, seven years later, you know, suddenly there's a Krispy Kreme open at the bottom of a big Tesco near where my parents live. And I remember them saying like, oh, we were talking about this. And I was like, well, if you'd done something, then, you know, we're probably millionaires or, or close enough by now. But, you know, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, right? It's, it's acting upon it, but being quite brave. Um, and I think she has been, right? And allowing her to, I mean, she talks about kind of leaving a corporate job, mm. um, you know, not, not kind of doing the whole yoga on top of a mountain thing, but like, you know, actually taking some time away, thinking about what it is, and the purpose and and then kind of almost thinking as she went along her journey um, yeah it is brave isn't it i mean like 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 you said you know formerly a FTSE 250 company and talk talk strong solid career there and mm. kind of gave that up explored found that purpose um but even so no one as she says is an overnight success and you know it's mm. that lay, laying at night in the dark thing um worrying about is is this a good you know is this a good idea or not? And in the end, it's well, she doesn't want to regret not doing it. So mm, mm. yeah, it's it's a massively brave thing to do. And I think um, I think founders like that, right, who have a genuine passion, like you know, who it's not just a I'm just going to flip a few products or I'm going to start a service because I know there's some cash and some serious margin that I can make, and then mm. you know that's my kind of one two three quick win to to get rich i think it's more what what i kind of sense i mean you obviously in the interview and, and spoke to her but what i kind of sense is that she has got a passion for it right and it was like yeah. her, i mean yeah she she left a job at, at kind of i think is it talk talk um yeah 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 so i mean she left that she could probably stay in there and you know kind of do the the whole general corporate thing but you know the fact that she left and said right you know this is my passion i'm going to do it then you know why not I also think that the original idea was that this would be something bigger than just the UK. Then the pandemic happened. She's focused on the UK. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm off to Paris. I'm very lucky to be going off to Paris tomorrow, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But when you go to another city, um, what I always try and do is want to avoid falling into just going to the tourist traps or sitting around the square where, you know, you're going to get ripped off. The food's going to be overpriced. Um, and not very good or you know you, avoiding kind of the stores and finding stores that really represent an area finding like lo local produce finding stuff that's sustainable ethical all of that really matters and having an app that's really focused in that rather than just like the 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 absolute vomit that is um trip advisors say where you've just got so much information it's almost difficult to know what to to believe and how to sift through it that's not having a go at trip advisor it's just that i feel it's just a bit overwhelming sometimes and you know you go to city restaurants and it's like thousands and thousands and thousands mm. um having something that's quite focused around that um mentality is mm. really quite intriguing i think especially for the 
for modern, let's say, millennial Gen Z traveller if we're being a little bit kind of uh, wokey. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I think it's good, and it and one thing I always find right when I go to other places, it's how you you're received. Like, I mean, you're going to Paris, right? I've got my own opinions on Paris. Um, I love Paris. Yeah, I'm opposite personally, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah. Anyway, Why? try try being an Asian man with a beard walking around certain places in Paris, mate. It's not. Oh, so, okay, all right. To fair be fair. Enough. You, you don't have that issue, Dave, you know? No. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's a little bit like, I don't know how I'm going to be received, right? And, and especially yeah, okay. when you go away and you're an English person, like, it's more, you know, like, oh, how 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 me and my mates, you know, who are kind of Londoners, how are we going to be received and stuff? And I think when it's a smaller, more kind of independent, more, you know, their kind of purpose is, look, you know, we're offering... Um, a restaurant or it's a bar or a cafe they're normally quite i find that they're always better people there actually and normally they are the ones that own the business so it's in their interest that you you know kind of spend your money there um and and it's quite decent you know yeah i really like it i i love making those kind of random like one of the best meals i ever had on holiday was not was probably one of the cheapest meals I ever had, and it was well, not because the quality of the food was amazing, but just the whole kind of like mm-hmm. evening. I was in Alicante with my wife, and we went kind of down some random back alley and just stumbled across this bar where there are local, there are a group of obviously obviously locals playing kind of like Spanish traditional music on like acoustic guitars in the corner and singing, and the entire place was singing. He sat at the bar, and they just brought around tapas on wooden blocks. And you took yeah. a block off the tray as it passed you. And at the end of the night, they just went, all right, that's like 15 blocks. And each block was something like, I don't know, 50 cents or something. And just went, there you go. That's your bill. And it was so amazing. It was, like a, it was like a yo sushi for tapas. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was amazing. The atmosphere. Yeah, a long time before yo sushi. Yeah. And I don't like yo sushi. I don't like the idea of raw fish sitting on the lights going round and round and round. Where yeah. It always smells a bit funky. And then they just come round and just count your um, count your bowls, don't they? Um, yeah, but yeah, that idea. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, that's okay. punctured it slightly. No, but <laughs> <laughs> no, Sorry. but for finding that kind of a place, and anything that's kind of local, ethical, sustainable in that, I'm I'm all for it. So I think that Alex is onto a great idea here. Yeah, but also I think some of these places, they, I mean, I don't even think their purpose is that that they're local locally sourced sustainable i think it's just they are the local population and that's you know that kind of one restaurant or cafe or you know kind of outlet has been in their family for generations and they're just Mm. very you know they are their old purpose is that we need to keep this going right and and it's Mm. a family business and normally they are family run like very rarely are they not but um yeah you know i like it Good app, good app. Absolutely. Let's just, let's just make sure when you're traveling, you actually have signal to get on the app. But you know, that's that's not her. Well, that's not her fault. Yeah, exactly. That's not her problem. You can't can't blame her for that. Um, but, you know. And look, she, as you said, she runs a support group there, monthly support group. So definitely worth bearing in mind because I think post pandemic, those those networks are still a little bit um, embryonic. So reach mm-hmm. out to Alex if you are thinking or are in the process of starting a company and could do with uh, someone to lean on and talk to. Um, 
Mention we're going to Paris. It's Unleash World in Paris on Wednesday and Thursday this week. I'm jumping on Eurostar tomorrow to get to Paris to make sure all set up. We, Tech Talks, will have a stand on the conference floor, an actual physical presence where people can come up to us and chat to us and maybe even do some interviews. Akish, who, who would you, or what would you like us to, to, to try and discover whilst we're out there? I mean, firstly, you say us, it's you, right? Because as far as I and know, Sam. I'm Okay, all right, Sam. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Our social media guru, Sam. Our social media, yeah. All right, yeah. Well, there's me being bitter about you know missing out another tech talk trip. But anyway, uh, you can talk to Mel. Yeah. She's going too. Oh, brilliant! Lovely. Yeah. Well, maybe you can <laughs> have a word with her. Old Melanie Hayes. Mm, okay. Um, no. Anyway, um, what would I like people to? I, I, do you know what I'm actually quite interested in at the moment is what. And, and I know this is this is a bit a bit kind of like um, generic, but I think just how organisations are, given kind of the job that I'm doing, how organisations are, are kind of dealing with their people now that first we went, everyone's in the office, right? Then we went into the pandemic going fully remote. No one's coming in, no chance in hell anyone's coming into the office. Now I think more and more organisations have adopted a hybrid way of working, right? Mm-hmm. My question is, is what is, you know, how is that kind of affecting businesses in a good way or a bad way? Um, because I'm seeing a lot of, you know, clients that I deal with, they hate it. They don't like the hybrid way. It's just not worked, right? In fact, their business performances were better when everyone was remote. But they obviously need to justify the workforce, all these massive offices that they've got in London and the rent they paid. So they need people to come in. They're trying to boost the agile way of working, and yeah, you know, it's just a, it's quite an interesting time in a lot of conversation, and I think everyone has quite passionate opinions on it. So, so it's, it's how do we make hybrid work then? Because let's be honest, yeah. we're not going, we're not going back to in-office culture. That's dead. Absolutely not. Um, and we're not going to go fully remote because human connections matter, as we've said on this podcast over and over again. Mm. So hybrid is here to stay. Mm. So it's how do we make hybrid work, and why is it not maybe yeah. working for as many people as it could? Yeah, exactly that, yeah. We yeah. will ask that. We will ask that um, of our guests. Akisha's yeah. question. You'll be there in spirit, mate. Yeah, well, just do- just dial me in. You know, WhatsApp, uh, you know, <laughs> FaceTime me or something. Yeah. We don't like Paris anyway, so it's all right. Uh, no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm not... I'm not, <laughs> not bitter. You know? no. Nah, nah. <laughs> um, Do it yourself. <laughs> but look, as, as a teaser for what's going up, and there's some, some, some really good insight here, uh, John Kennard... Um, managing editor at Unleash is joining us on the podcast. We've got an interview to play you. Have a listen to this. And also, there's a bit of a shout out for the Unleash cast there as well. Have a have a search for Unleash cast on your podcast players. Um, plenty of good insight. But of course, we'll be bringing you loads from Paris too. So stay tuned for that. Akish, thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Enjoy Paris. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Abianto. <laughs> I'm talking to John Kennard. Managing editor at Unleash, ahead of Unleash World Paris next week. How are you? I'm very well, Dave. Yes, um, it's kind of reaching fever pitch and uh, being pulled in lots of different directions. But I wouldn't expect anything less this close to an event. I mean, I say next week. By the time this goes out, uh, we're recording it Thursday the sixth. I think this is going out on the eleventh, which is the Tuesday. So it will be literally a couple, well, a day or two before the conference. So um, fever pitch, I think, may have been met and passed by that point. But what are you looking forward to? 
Well, um, first of all, I'm looking forward to the event itself because it's been so long in the planning. I'm looking forward to seeing lots of my co-workers. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people in the industry who events like these is where we meet. This is a whole kind of part of my life and section of people that I interact with who I only see at these things. So it's really good to be, it's going to be great to see these people again and catch up uh, professionally and personally as well, you know, those things. And then not least uh, the lineup as well, the, all the keynotes, there's some some keynotes I'm really uh, excited about seeing too. Any that you've kind of circled as a, as a you're going to make an effort yourself in amongst, I mean, I know you've got a lot of other responsibilities that you're going to try and get to see. Well, yeah, I mean, if I do get a spare 10 minutes no there are there are there are spaces throughout both days right I do have time for this but having seen Peter Hinson in Las Vegas I'm really excited to see how he's going to follow up the first this the first part of this kind of two-part was it, hang on, he was he the guy who got through like 100 plus slides or something it was 350 slides right, there, there we go yeah in an hour and but the thing is it's a classic show don't tell thing so none of the slides or virtually none of the slides has got any kind of text or writing on so it's literally painting a picture uh, as he goes along and you will not even know that they're happening kind of it really augments what he's saying but it's very much the focus is on him and not what's on the slides i was told it was an amazing talk yeah it really was so looking forward to the second part of that that's called radical innovation reinventing through crisis mm-hmm. um hannah fry um i'm really excited about her talk as well i've seen her talk on the last leg of all programs um and she's incredibly engaging uh, right whenever she's on television uh so the opportunity to see her in the flesh will be will be pretty good yeah definitely uh who else who else um Claude Silver, someone who, you know, an Unleashed contributor mm-hmm. as well. I'm really excited to meet her in person uh, and and see what she's got to say. Um, I've never seen her speak. I've seen her writing and I've, I've spoken to her one-to-one plenty of times, but I really want to see her on stage too. Uh, Benedict Evans, he's um, an analyst who's going to be talking about automation at work. That's going to be really exciting too. It's difficult to know where to start. Erin Meyer as well, obviously. Um there's so many stages. It's bigger in scope than we've ever done before. Uh, it's bigger than Vegas. Uh, trying to get around and see everything is going to be a little bit of a mission, but I'm going to do the best job I can, I think. You mentioned Vegas. Do you reckon the conversation will have moved on or do you reckon it will largely echo uh, what we heard earlier in, in the year? It's a good point. I think there will be certain things which will be repeated, um, not least instability, you know, pace of change, AI, things like that. Um, we are even further away from kind of the 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 the, the 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 middle of the pandemic, so I think that's going to be less of a focus probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we know, Vegas was moved um, a little bit because of that, but ended up being a, a, you know an unbelievable success and really laid the platform for what we're doing with Unleash World. Um, so I think that's going to be less of a concern. But off the back of that, we're now kind of seeing some economic instability which is not unrelated so I think that's probably going to come to the fore so there's going to be conversations which we started in Vegas which we're going to finish or build on plus a load of new concerns I think so and plus it's the first time I've been to uh, the the Paris event when I was in my previous jobs I never got to go to uh, these events because they were more the HR side and I was kind of more in the learning and development side of things so this is a first for me, Unleash World. Now, Unleash have kindly also given some space to not only Tech Talks, but Recruiting Futures and the Chad and Cheese Show to have some space on the floor and to record some podcast content. And we'll also be next to the Unleash cast team. You will, yes. Uh, that's really exciting because we, we're kind of expanding on what we did in the podcast world 
uh, in America. So we're putting a, a bit more time and energy into that too. Um, I can imagine that we'll all be frantically podcasting away and probably interviewing each other and crossing over a great deal, uh, which is going to be quite exciting to see um, the, the kind of the people that we get to interview and the conversations that we each have with them, really. Absolutely. No, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be really fun to uh, to do a little bit of collaboration whilst we're out there, perhaps, with your guys. And uh, yeah, Unleashcast is on all usual subscription platforms isn't it all the usual kind of places where you'd find a podcast that's right uh we've just moved to acast actually cool. as our kind of hosting platform uh, that's quite exciting but yeah you can find us on spotify apple podcasts etc uh yes so there are going to be lots of interviews taking place uh excited to see chad and cheese uh very excited to meet matt older for the first time from recruiting futures ah, did you not have well. a chance in in vegas then no, I didn't. No, um, pulled in many different directions, but I'm going to make it a, a, <laughs> one of my missions to actually meet him face to face. Well, look, I mean, obviously it's very close to the conference now, so people are either going or they will have, they will probably be wondering what has happened at the conference. Unleashcast will be a great way of finding out some of that content, but if they can't make it to Unleashcast, um, I'm assuming head over to the Unleash website. Yes, uh, unleash.ai and uh, unleash.ai slash unleash world this is where all the content that's coming out of the event is going to be published uh, plus all the other great stuff that we do on a regular basis uh, every week anyway well john it's been lovely to chat to you and hopefully in from the time that this goes out a day or two i'll get to see you in the flesh uh and enjoy the conference thank you i may be a little frazzled um but i will be uh hopefully i'll be okay but yeah really looking forward to it dave appreciate very much your time thanks